Discovering our extraordinary God in the ordinary things of life. Welcome to St. Joseph's Workshop with Father Matthew Spencer on Relevant Radio. Hello, hello. It is great to be back with you. My name is Timri. You may remember me from the weekend show, Trending with Timri. I'm Timri Jaja, formerly known as Millington. I got married over the last year. It has been a full first year of marriage and a busy life. For those who don't know anything about me, thank you for listening. Whether you are maybe momentarily running to the drugstore or to the grocery store because you're temporarily allowed out of your home, I'm broadcasting actually from California where we are on full lockdown, only the essential are allowed out. I mean, this is just unbelievable. We'd love to hear from you. We're going to be talking a little later on with Father Calloway, Father Donald Calloway. He has been prominent in the Catholic world for many years now, specifically talking about Our Lady and his own conversion story. And then just over the last couple months, his most recent book, Consecration to St. Joseph, was released. And I know many of you may have just made your consecration just yesterday on the Feast of St. Joseph, but we'll be talking more about just some of the wisdom of St. Joseph and the awe and wonder that we can learn from him with Father Calloway coming up here shortly. A little bit about my background. I have grown up a cradle Catholic, grew up in the pro-life movement. Uh, after working on many pro-life and pro-family projects, worked in the crisis pregnancy centers as the director of community outreach, working with women in crisis pregnancy here in Southern California in San Diego. And I have seen the ins and outs of the crisis that so many women face. And in fact, we're going to be talking about how we can really be relevant at this point in history as the coronavirus is happening and Planned Parenthood has been refusing to shut down. And let's be honest, we're going to have a baby boom. We know that we have baby booms and crisis moments like this, which is an awesome moment for the world when we're having so few children. But what do we need to do to respond to that baby boom as well as Planned Parenthood is going to be very active in marketing? So thanks for joining me. I grew up uh, going to John Paul the Great Catholic University for my undergrad and graduate work and received a master's in biblical theology. So that's just a little bit about me and my background. I look forward to hearing from all of you. Again, if you'd like to call in today, our phone number is 1-888-914-9149. I have with me on the phone Father Donald Calloway. Many of you may know him, again, from his incredible testimony uh, to the Catholic faith and becoming a priest after quite a wild life in the past. Father Calloway, thank you for joining me today. Oh, no, it's awesome to be with you. Thank you so much for having me. I have to tell you, Father Calloway, I have been so excited about your book, and I have been waiting because it was on back order for the longest time. I mean, these have been inaccessible. It has been like the prized possession in my home this week as I've started to be going through it finally. Oh, I know. It's so funny. Like, I know some people that bought like 12 copies and they were showing that on social media. And I was like, man, you better not do that. People are going to come over and rob your house. <laughs> so, <laughs> you're you're hoarding it. And I had so many people who were like, I'm doing a St. Joseph consecration. Are you? And I'm like, no, I can't get the book. <laughs> it was very, very bitter over this. <laughs> so and maybe, you know, yeah. if you're listening, you have been wanting to get access to the book. It's on back order. Last time I knew Amazon did have some available, although with this Corona craze, it might take a little longer to get your copy.
happy. Um, but we can prepare for the next St. Joseph feast day, right? Patron of workers. Uh, we know St. Joseph is such an incredible patron for us. And I think Father Callaway, I want to start off our conversation really relevant to what's going on in the culture. A lot of people are concerned about the financial makeup of what will happen both during and after the coronavirus and the possible anticipated recession that we may go to. And I just keep thinking about how awesome that St. Joseph is so prominent in the church right now. And he's a patron of workers and he's going to help us Mm -hmm. through this as people face unemployment. Wouldn't you say like this is a perfect timing for him? Oh, you nailed it right there because, um, you know, I I was just telling people yesterday because yesterday a lot of people consecrated themselves to St. Joseph, which was wonderful. And the next um, consecration phase for the 33 days, it goes from March 30th to uh, May 1st. It ends on the Feast of St. Joseph the Worker. And I told people, hey, let's do this with the intention of having St. Joseph uh, intercede so that our church is open again for us to receive the Eucharist, right? For the laity mm-hmm. to receive the Eucharist and for people to get their jobs back because yes. it ends on St. Joseph the Worker and so many people right now, you know, they don't have a job. If they're in the restaurant industry or the tourism, I mean, they're in big, big, you know, worry situations. So that was my intention. So you're so right. We need them right now. What can we do, especially I think right now, the consecration's over, the next consecration starts in just about a week and a half here, we're not that far out, but what would you tell people who are afraid, especially I think so many men who are, and women, but especially men who feel like such a deep responsibility to provide, and you know, so much of, especially for men, their identity is wrapped up in work, what is the message both in crisis for men in particular surrounding St. Joseph and overall in kind of entrusting their work to him. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. There's, you're right. There's so many people that are worried. And I would say, you know, look at St. Joseph. Um, he had to take his family uh, to foreign territory, to Egypt, and he wasn't sure if, he, you know, he would find work. He had to go to a place where there's a different language, uh, different religion, different culture, everything. And so very difficult, but yet God provided divine providence. Uh, I think our, 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 our key is to trust right now and to pray um and that's why i'm telling people please do this next consecration period with that intention um to uh to trust like saint joseph that's a father donald calloway here with me on trend i'm gonna say trending with timray you can listen to me on the weekends on treading with timray but you're listening to saint joseph's hours the saint joseph's workshop i'm filling in for father matthew spencer you can learn more about father De- Donald Calloway's Consecration to St. Joseph at consecration to com. Father Calloway, let's talk about some of those 10 wonders of St. Joseph that you write about in your book. I'd like to specifically point in this time of crisis to looking to St. Joseph as our spiritual father. What words of solace do you have for those who are listening? Oh, this is a big one because you know, we know that the Virgin Mary is our spiritual mother. You know, she's she's uh, the mother of Jesus Christ, and, and she's the mother of the entire mystical body. So she's our mother, too. Well, St. Joseph has a special privilege there, too, because he, was the, he wasn't the biological father of Jesus, but he was his father, you know, in that legal sense, in that affectionate sense, and, and, and raising him. 
And that means that we can turn to St. Joseph, too, to be our spiritual father. And right now, during, especially during this difficult time, we need a loving, good father to, to give us hope, to give us peace, and, and to comfort us. Um, you know, one of his titles is Comfort of the Afflicted. There's a lot of people afflicted right now, and I think it's a, a, a big, big moment for us to turn to our spiritual father. Amen. And, you know, sometimes I think people might have a difficult um, time stepping into the idea of St. Joseph as a spiritual father only because we think of God, our Heavenly Father, as our Father. Uh, we think of people in our daily lives as like kind of a fa- fatherly type of mentor, although they're not our actual biological fathers. Um, there's nothing wrong yeah. with taking St. Joseph as our spiritual father, um, just like there's nothing wrong with consecrating ourselves to St. Joseph or Mary. Can you talk about to that dilemma that a lot of people have in grasping a consecration to yeah. St. Joseph or Mary? Yeah. So the word consecrate itself, it just means um, to set something aside for a holy purpose. So we're consecrated to Jesus by our baptism, and he's God. I mean, there's nothing greater than him. Um, but yet, if we look at what Jesus himself did, so when he came into the world, in the New Testament, it says he placed himself, and he grew in wisdom and stature, in his human nature, of course, um, under the, 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 the guidance of Mary and Joseph, his parents. So we should seek to imitate that. So, you know, we're, we're not members of a one-parent spiritual family. We give ourselves to the Virgin Mary so she can help us, uh, like she helped Jesus, but we also want to give ourselves to St. Joseph. Uh, some people have said, mm, can I consecrate myself to St. Joseph if I've already given myself to Mary? I said, yes, of course you can, because what child only goes to mom and, and says, well, there's some guy who lives in the house who I call dad, but he's of no significance. No way. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. You need both mom and dad. Um, and so that's what we need in the spiritual life. And that's what Jesus has given us. He shared us, shared with us the treasure of, of Mary and Joseph. What a gift. Mm-hmm. I keep thinking of it in kind of simpler terms because sometimes, you know, even in like Protestant dialogue, we have like these things that we get stuck on and we go, oh, well, praying for the intercession of a saint's really simple. You know, do you ask your friend to pray for you? Well, it's the same thing, but these people are actually mm-hmm. in heaven already with God. And I think of this consecration the same way that say, you know, I'm have, you know, I give myself to the care of my husband, uh, or a child mm-hmm. is entrusted to the care of their parent, or, you know, people who are sick and elderly are entrusted to the care of their caretakers. We are entrusting ourselves everything to the intercession of St. Joseph and Our Lady when we do consecrations such as these, right? Uh, that's exactly it. Yeah, that's it. It's a, it's a normal part of life. And th- you, you, you said it so well, because here it's it's normal but it's also like supernatural because the, they're they're in heaven what an ability they're going to have to to look out for our good and to to help us to intercede for us so uh, you know let's take advantage of that let's let's be a part of that you're listening to St. Joseph's Workshop. I'm Timory Jaja, filling in today for Father Matthew Spencer. You can catch my program, Trending with Timory, on the weekends. That is when we're not broadcasting the live mass and the litany and moments of crisis such as these. You can also find me at radiotrending.com, or I'd love to connect on Instagram. You can find me at Timory, that's T I. 
M-M-E-R-I-E. And we'll be sure to post links to Father Donald Calloway's work, his new website where you can find consecrationtosaintjoseph.com. Again, that's consecrationtosaintjoseph.com. Father Calloway, what would you um, say was the key reason as to why you decided to write this book right now? Well, I set out to do it because, you know, a a few years ago, I just thought to myself, boy, the world is really messed up when it comes to marriage, family, um, this whole gender ideology stuff. People are really Mm. confused about what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman. And, And I thought, boy, we could use like a model here of manhood because especially men, I mean, the world is is, is trying to kind of emasculate men, or, or it goes the other way and says, hey, you're too toxic in your masculinity. So I thought, we need, we need the perfect man here. And so I said, I wonder if there's a program of consecration to St. Joseph, like we have with mm-hmm. uh, the Virgin Mary. And I looked around, and I didn't find one. And I asked people around the world in different cultures, and they said it didn't exist. So I said, oh, that's it. I'm going to do it. So I spent three years putting the program together um, so that we could kind of go back to, to, to the model of manhood here in St. Joseph and, and the head of the Holy Family and the pillar of families, the, the glory of domestic life. These are some of his titles. And um, yeah, that's how the book came about. I love it. You touched on mentioning gender ideology. I want to come back to that in just a second and looking to how you see specifically St. Joseph as the model of manhood. If anyone would like to ask a question of Father Donald Calloway, you can call us today at 1-888-914-9149. Again, that's 1-888-914-9149. If you have a question for Father Donald Calloway as we're talking about the consecration to St. Joseph. So, Father Calloway, you mentioned gender ideology as part of what kind of made you decide this is the time to write this book. Uh, how do you see St. Joseph as a model of manhood? Can you kind of touch on a few key areas? Yeah, well, if you look at it, you know, he is so chaste. He's so pure. And yes, it is true that, you know, it's part of the teaching of Christianity that Mary and Joseph did not, you know, enter into the conjugal act in their marriage, and yet it was a true marriage. Um, but he still serves as the model for men in their, their marriage and their relationships with women. Why? Because he is so dignified. He is so respectful. He is so pure. He is so chaste. And I find today, you know, a lot of people think that, you know, that they can do anything within the context of their marriage. They think, well, I'm married now. I can, I can use my spouse's body in whatever way I want. And I'm like, no, actually, you can't. You still have to be dignified. You're not an animal. You have to respect the other person. Um, and I think if we look at St. Joseph, we can see he lived with the most beautiful woman who ever lived, the, the mother of God, the Immaculata. And yet he was so respectful. He treated her like a princess. He's the first one to say, my lady. He's the first chivalrous man. He's the first knight of Our Lady. He's the model of consecration of Mary. He's the greatest Marian saint of all time. So those aspects are tremendous. And then he's also the protector, provider, defender of, you know, his child, uh, of Jesus, even though not his biological child. So we're talking about a man whose role, mission, and example is extraordinary. And I think that every uh, man can look to him uh, for an an example, the perfect example of what it means to be a man. 
I love that. Father Callaway, you know, it's funny. I'm seeing comments right now from my producer, Karen, and she's saying John Wayne, the real John Wayne is St. Joseph. And it keeps making me think of the movie, The Quiet Man. Mm. Incredible movie. Have Mm. you seen it? I have a long time ago. but Yeah, I remember it. Yeah. You know, and it's funny because I recently watched it with my husband just a couple months ago. It was his first time ever seeing it. And it was so interesting to see his response to kind of like the male-female dynamic between John Wayne. And I can't remember the woman who played the lead role there. Uh, but it was mm-hmm. so interesting because there was this level of just outright... um dignity about him and strength and he wasn't mm-hmm. willing to kind of enter into the battle over his wife with the brother-in-law and her inheritance yet it meant so much mm-hmm. to her that she was fought for and defended and so can you go a little bit further into detail about how uh, specifically saint joseph defended our lady yeah well you think about it and then we get some of these insights from mystics and and just meditating yourself you know you you, you have to unpack it you know, it took a strong man to be willing to take his young, beautiful wife into foreign territory and, and, and to, a, to a place that was known to be hostile um, to people and, and, and participate in very, you know, pagan practices, and that was Egypt at the time. And so, you know, what would have happened, you know, if, if some robbers or bandits or something had come upon the Holy Family? Was St. Joseph just going to stand by and do nothing? No, actually. And some of the writings of the mystics, they say that they actually were on several occasions surrounded by bandits on their way to Egypt. And he was willing to even, you know, step up physically and defend, you know, what was entrusted to him, Mary and Jesus. Now, I didn't have to go to that, thanks be to the, to the Lord, but he, he's a man. A man, you know, is willing to defend, to protect. And he also has a title that not even Our Lady has. Check this out. So in the writings of the saints, many saints call him, and popes, call him the Savior of the Savior. Now, what is that? Mm. That sounds like heresy at first, but he's not the Messiah. He's not God, of course. But when you had a, a, a ruler, Herod, who wanted to kill little children to, to be able to, to knock off, you know, the newborn king, St. Joseph took Jesus into Egypt and saved him. And so he's the Savior of the Savior. And so that's an extraordinary title. And I talk about that, you know, in, in the book. I love that. Well, and one, I thought you were going to go toward uh, the fact that he's the terror of demons, but I hadn't thought of it. First, mm. he has to be the savior of the savior. He has to be that outright protector, defender, guard of precious child Jesus or Jesus as he's being raised. And, you know, we think about being, you know, a protector, a leader. We think about all of these things and sometimes they sound so intense. I think sometimes it scares, especially men like, man, like I can't measure up to that. But it's in the practical, simple ways of also being a defender by defending uh, the character of your child that you're raising by helping to develop the character within them. Hmm. Oh, absolutely. No, that's that's exactly right. And, you know, this is another thing that I love is um, St. Joseph has a special relationship with Jesus that none of us have. There's only one other who has it, and that's Our Lady. And what I mean by that is he, when he talks to Jesus, he talks to him in a paternal way as father mm-hmm. to son. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter that Jesus is 33 years old. He still talks to him in that paternal way. So, You and I can't pray to Jesus and say, Jesus, my son, I I love you. That would be weird because it's not true. But for Joseph, it is. 
And that means when Jesus hears Joseph speak, he's listening to his words as coming from a father. And that has intercessory power, my friend, just like that's why we see Our Lady is so powerful in her intercession. Um, well, St. Joseph is right there, right below Our Lady in his ability to, to, to ask Jesus for things and for Jesus to do them. Wow. <laughs> wow. What a unique form of adoration that St. Joseph can give to his son, yet still in a paternal way. I mean, it's, you know, one of those moments where it's mind-blowing when we start to just have a little bit more of a conversation, St. Joseph becomes so much more real to us rather than just an ideal that is so distant from us. If you're just joining us, you're listening to St. Joseph's Workshop. I'm here today with Father Donald Calloway. He recently wrote the book, Consecration to St. Joseph. You can learn more at consecrationtostjoseph.com. My name is Timory Jaja. I'm filling in for Father Matthew Spencer today. So let's talk about St. Joseph as specifically Terror of Demons, because this is a name for him that I don't really remember hearing a lot growing up. Um, but now it's mm-hmm. something that you're hearing increasingly more prominent in the culture. And it's interesting because some people have this like major aversion to it because it sounds so intense. And then other people love it. They're like, yes, like he is a warrior for us against the <laughs> demon. So tease this out for us. I love this title. I, I, to me, it's the money title. It's like, oh, now we're, now we're doing some serious warfare here. We got the big guns on the, on the battlefield now because that is such an intimidating title. It's like you're going from all these nice titles, you know, and then all of a sudden you drop terror of demons. You're like, whoa, that gets your attention. <laughs> um, and he's had that title for a very long time. Um, and the root, at the root of the title, is that this man, whom we don't have one word from recorded in the New Testament, because his actions speak louder than his words, this man is such a force to be reckoned with and is such a light against the darkness that demons even fear when he sleeps, because when he sleeps, he talks to God. So it doesn't matter if he's awake or asleep. His soul is attentive, and he is ready to go. He is a man of action, and he he is so powerful in his ability um, to intercede, that the devil knows that, and the devil does not want us to know about this secret weapon, so to speak, in the spiritual life, because he knows the power that St. Joseph has. So in one of my, I commissioned art for my book, and I yes, had I'm um, looking one at painting it right called now. the, yeah, there's one that's my favorite, it's called The Immaculata and the Terror of Demons, um, And I had the artist from Malta show Our Lady stepping on the serpent. You know, that's our classic understanding of Our Lady from Scripture. Her foot is crushing the head of the serpent. But St. Joseph is just below her with an axe, and he cuts off the tail of the serpent. So it's like he's looking to his wife saying, you know, I got you covered. You take the head, I got the tail. Mm. (laughs) You know, it's awesome. Oh, that's beautiful. I just pulled up that photo in the back of the book. And by the way, um, you can actually order all of these pieces of art that Father Calloway had commissioned specifically after having written this book. And I mean, the imagery of St. Joseph is absolutely phenomenal. But I love this. I hadn't seen the one with the serpent. Where I mean, isn't that it? We're called to be a complement to one another, male and female. And I'm not just talking about within the context of marriage. I'm talking about within the context of the culture. Men are called to be the defenders and protectors of women. And this is something we've 
lost in the culture that we need to bring back. And I think that this is part of the key answer to regaining a better understanding of our marriage and family environment and of building up solid, good families. Joining me today has been Father Donald Calloway. You can learn more about his book and order the book at consecration to com. Again, that's consecration to com. Father, where can people find you on social media? Yeah, I have a, a Facebook. It's Consecration to St. Joseph with Father Calloway, and uh, stuff goes up there every day. So thank you so much for having me, and God bless you. Thank you. We'll be right back here on St. Joseph's Workshop. I'm Timri Jaja. Once we arrive to the offertory, it's our turn to give something to God. Hi, this is Father Rocky with our 21st Lenten lesson on the Mass. After the prayers of the faithful, the Mass enters into a new and profound phase, the ritual of offering and sacrifice. Pay attention because a lot is going on. The ministers place the corporal, the purificator, the chalice, the pall, and the missal on the altar. If this were a meal, the table is now set, but this is not a meal. It's a sacrifice, and the sacrifice is ready to begin. Members of the faithful can offer their sacrifice. Typically on Sundays, a collection is taken up. That monetary sacrifice is real, but also symbolic of what we hope is a deeper reality, the readiness to sacrifice our hearts, minds, souls, and bodies for the love of God. Lenten Lessons on the Mass with Father Rocky are brought to you by the Shrine of Our Lady of Good Help, America's only church-approved Marian apparition site, championshrine.org. St. Joseph's Workshop with Father Matthew Spencer, Coast to Coast, on Relevant Radio. I'm over here doing the cha-cha. I have a dance background. For those who don't know, I grew up dancing my whole life. I danced with the Russian ballet company, the Kirov in Washington, D.C. For many years I was dancing. It was great joining their summer programs and getting to dance with the Russians. And boy, did I learn discipline growing up dancing. And when we talk about discipline, that's such a fundamental part of our Catholic faith. And I know for me, having that dance background really allowed me to also uh, see the really the balance between the body and the soul and how if we're going to have discipline of the will, we have to have discipline of the body. And there's this important balance that we have. So a little later on, I'm going to be talking about what do we do when we do not have access to the Mass And we do not have access to Holy Communion. Maybe you don't even have access to reconciliation right now. If you are maybe in the boat of what's sort of happening right now in California and other states, uh, we're going to talk about how do you make a spiritual communion? Do you have to watch, you know, the live stream of the Mass? We'll go through some of that a little later on. If you're just joining us, my name is Timurain Jaja. I'm filling in today St. Joseph's Workshop for Father Matthew Spencer. If you'd like to give us a call, feel free to call in at 1-888-914-9149. Again, that's 1-888-914-9149. So one of the things that I have been saying since the coronavirus kind of hit that critical like news uh, moment where we were like constantly checking the news, people were starting to work from home, school was canceled, is I remember looking at my husband just saying, you know what, we're going to have a huge baby boom worldwide because of this. I mean, think about the baby boomers, right, coming back from the Second World War, and we even see examples of this 9-11. We could go on and on, even a little bit from the recession as well. We saw this now 
here we are. People have downtime. They're home. We, we know what's happening. You're not just playing board games. There's some Netflix and chilling going on, too. I'm just going to say it. that's what's happening. Um, but there's also a very active business right now that does not want to close, and that is Planned Parenthood. And when I, I don't mean to like bring a negative element to this, but I do think that we as the faithful need to anticipate crises that are coming our way. And when I say our way, I mean that are coming at the culture. Because right now we're seeing that Planned Parenthood has been refusing to close because they consider themselves essential services. Now, it's interesting because a lot of other medical type of facilities have been closing uh, in non-essential medical facilities. And you'd think, you know, contraception, abortion, it, we know it's definitely not essential. We know that it is not life-saving, but the the media, Planned Parenthood, and very radical pro-abortion politicians think that it's absolutely necessary. Why? Because as my husband looked at me and said the other day, he goes, this is prime time for Planned Parenthood. People are terrified. They're going to be scared and say, well, what am I going to do if I might lose my job? I don't have work right now. I cannot provide for a child. This is why Planned Parenthood is literally refusing to close its doors. But not only that, it's going to be in the money-making business nine months from now, or maybe however long we're in, maybe even further out from now, because they are ready to market to the people who are afraid and ill-prepared for the possibility of a child. And so one of my challenges is not only do we need to give all the support we can right now to our crisis pregnancy centers, but we need to make sure that we are listening to the conversations all around us. Because I really mean it when I say this, you have no idea what you might do or say to save a life just because you were a little more aware of the people in the grocery line or when you were washing your hands and when you were getting something to eat at Chipotle. And I'll give you some examples of this because, yes, I worked in crisis pregnancy centers for years. I have sidewalk counseled. And, yes, those are the extreme moments where you are there face-to-face with the girls who are coming your way who are considering having an abortion. But there are people that the crisis pregnancy centers cannot access that you can't, whether it's your friends, your family, or the people you bump into on the street. So I'm going to tell you in just a second what you can do and tell you some stories. If you're just joining us, you're listening to St. Joseph's Workshop. You can give us a call if you have any questions or comments at 1-888-914-9149. Again, that's 1-888-914-9149. My name is Timri Jaja. I'm the host of Trending with Timri, which you can catch on the weekends if we're not playing the mass and the litany in crisis mode moments such as these. You can also follow me on Instagram at Timmery. That's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. So I'll never forget a number of years ago, and this is just the simple ways you and I can be advocates for life. And this is how it starts, by willing to talk about our pro-life convictions and by being willing to share maybe about walks and events we went to or stories we've recently heard because the crisis of abortion and abortion stories are stories that are actually very trendy to talk about. And you don't even have to throw your opinion on it right away. You can just bring up a story. I'm going to give an example. I'll never forget 
I was getting my hair cut one day and it was a new um, hair person and, you know, she's sitting there cutting my hair and she's, you know, you know, typical salon talk and gentlemen, if you don't get it, I know that you guys gossip in those barber shops, especially in your, if you're in a small town. But I mean, the salons, you have those moments where the salon artist or the hair artist is asking all these questions, right? And she's just grilling me. I'm like, what do you do for work? I'm like, okay, you know, I teach Pilates and I, you know, I start with Pilates. And I say I also um, work with women in crisis pregnancy and she keeps like drilling in the point about the crisis pregnancy because I'm not necessarily feeling like going super deep on it at that moment and uh she keeps asking question after question I'm thinking man like either this lady's just you know has her own story to share maybe you know I don't know what what's going on uh but she keeps asking really in-depth questions and I'm being really nuanced in how I respond because I don't know if she's pro-life or pro-abortion I have no idea what her life experience is. You know, we know that one in three, one in four women have had an abortion by the age of 40 right now in our culture. You know, that number continues to seem to increase, unfortunately, because of things such as RU46 abortion pills and whatnot. That number isn't as sound as we'd like to uh, really understand. But the bottom line is, is that it's a lot of women. So long story short, uh, the hair artist, as I'm finishing a painter, she kind of like starts to like, touch me on the shoulder and she starts to point out the door and I'm thinking, oh gosh, what, you know, what's going on? And she, she points out the door. I said, you know, what, what do you want? She said, can I talk to you outside? I think, okay, here we go. You know, who knows what, what this will look like. So we go outside and she ends up sharing that her daughter is in the middle of a crisis pregnancy and is considering having an abortion and she does not know what to do. Let me tell you, within 24 hours, we got her into a crisis pregnancy center. She was able to meet with a counselor. She decided that she might be interested in placing her beautiful child for adoption. Long story short, this young woman who was in the worst of the worst circumstances, who thought that maybe abortion's her only option. She hadn't finished school. She hadn't finished college. She was dating a man who was not faithful to her. And she didn't know what her future would look like. And what we did know is that the grandmother wanted to make sure that that child survived because she said, we take care of our own. We want to do anything we can, but we need help because a lot of the time the grandparents or even friends and family, they need that support to help save a life. And so I remember what ended up happening is she got the support of the crisis pregnancy counselors. We ended up bringing in some of the adoption agency to talk about some of the options. Long story short, that young woman placed her child for an open adoption. And it's incredible because this young woman, I mean, here we are five years later, she's now in the middle of veterinarian school. She's thriving. She's doing well. She's been able to walk away from what was a very unhealthy relationship with the father of that child. And sure, in a picture-perfect world, we'd love those parents together raising that child. But because there were people willing to speak up for her, willing to speak up for her family, we were able to work it out that she was able to keep her child and still continue to move on with her life. And you have no idea, though, where you might be, where you can speak up and share about the pro-life story you recently heard about a woman who was considering having an abortion, who maybe had one, who didn't have one. And there's so many miraculous stories all around us. People just need to hear them. 
Because you guys, we are pro-woman. And right now, Planned Parenthood is doing everything they can to say, we are keeping our doors open in the midst of this crisis because we care about you. But you know what? We have another message to say, and that is to say, we care about you too, and you have far more options than what you are being told is an option by Planned Parenthood. Also, instead of what you're being told is an option by people like Nancy Pelosi. I don't know if you guys have followed this because there's been so much going on around the coronavirus. Nancy Pelosi had been, thank God she didn't get away with it. She'd been trying to force taxpayer funding of abortion into the immediate stimulus and various bills that were being passed to help get some relief to the American people right now in the midst of the crisis over the coronavirus. And it's just fascinating because she thinks that abortion is necessary for women to thrive. But again, we have a different narrative. There are people who are thriving and who are able to move on with their life, whether they place their child for adoption, whether they're able to parent, or whether they need resources in the community to make them able to move forward. And I know so many people, even you who are listening, maybe you've sidewalk counseled, you know this. I've seen the women who have come in the doors of the crisis pregnancy centers who had no support, no help. And yet they needed help funding college. They needed help funding an apartment. They needed just a little cash to help get them a car to make it to work so that they can support their family. These are the things that the crisis pregnancy centers help do. So I want to encourage you in the midst of this crisis, ask your local crisis pregnancy centers, what can we do to help you stay open and be accessible? Not only that, what can we do to be aware of the people around us who are going to be facing similar circumstances. We'll be right back here on St. Joseph's Workshop. I'm Timree Jaja. We'll be talking about how do you make a spiritual communion when we don't have access to the Mass. This is St. Joseph's Workshop on Relevant Radio and RelevantRadio.com. Hello, hello, Timory Jaja here. I'm filling in for Father Matthew Spencer here on St. Joseph's Workshop. If you'd like to ask a question or share some information with us, feel free to give us a call at one 888 Again, that's one 914 It's great to be with you. If you're not familiar with me, I host the program Trending with Timory on the weekends. We talk about some of the hot and controversial issues taking place in the culture. So I want to talk about what to do right now if you have no access to communion, to Eucharistic communion, if you have no access to the Mass. Maybe you are in one of those dioceses that has not only, you know, stopped offering communion on the hand or stopped offering the sign of peace, but they have literally barred the doors to the churches. I'm in California. That's the case that we are in. And I know that this is really hard because people are saying, well, okay, so our Sunday obligation has been lifted. We don't have to go to Mass. Um, What are we going to do is my question. What are we going to do? And I was 
at mass, a private mass today. I don't want to get anyone in trouble, but I was at a private mass earlier today and father was talking about how um, the Shema, which was part of the readings, it referred to the Shema today, which is what was known in ancient Israel as those sayings, the words that we should all know since we were children to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all, all your soul, and with all your strength. That's Deuteronomy 6, 5. And I was thinking about it like, wow, we are called in this moment where we cannot receive our Lord, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist. We are called even now to love him with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our strength. Just like the ancient Israels, Israelites were called to do. And they didn't have Eucharistic communion. They didn't have the fullness of truth, the fullness of Christ and the sacraments. There was so much of God that was hidden from them. And grant God is a great mystery even to us still now. I mean, that's why our faith should have us in absolute awe and wonder. And we, we're not very good about having that sense of awe. Sometimes we forget about it. But we also forget that we are so blessed to have our Lord in the Eucharist. And so how do you stay close to God? Because there's something wrong. If you're already at the point right now in the midst of all this quarantine where you're feeling distant from God, that means that there's something missing in our prayer lives. That We are not making that active, intentional commitment to be connected to our Lord. And so I want to encourage all of you. First of all, the Sunday obligation has been lifted. But that doesn't mean that your obligation to sanctify the Lord's day is gone. We are called to give glory and honor to God. So the question is, how are you and I going to do that now that depending on where you're at, we're stuck in our homes or we can't go to mass, whatever it might be. What we're called to do right now is to make that spiritual communion to our Heavenly Father. And so... I want to encourage people because I think we think that maybe the only option is to watch a live stream of the Mass. I was talking to my sister the other day, and she said, yeah, you know, this Sunday was the first Sunday we didn't have access to the Mass. And she said, you know, I just felt so uncomfortable watching Mass online. She said it was just such a new experience. And it just came out of my mouth and it's true. Well, we don't have to watch the mass. And I know there's great access to live streaming of the mass, both here on relevant radio, um, through many of our local parishes. Uh, but what we're called to do is sanctify the Lord's day. And, you know, she commented, she was saying, you know, watching the mass via screen was just kind of boring. I did not, um, although, you know, I love our Lord and there is this respect. I wasn't in prayer because there was this connectedness to technology that was almost distracting. And so I want to encourage all of you, you don't have to watch the live stream, but what you do need to do is make that spiritual communion. St. Alphonsus Liguori has a beautiful act of spiritual communion. What you do need to do is sanctify the Lord's day. So set, a time, set aside time, an hour if you can at least, to pray. Maybe it's distributed out throughout the day to pray your rosary. To pray and read, and I really mean this, to pray the readings from the Mass for that day. You can pull them up online. The USCCB website has them accessible, but there are also applications. If you'd like to pick up one of those phone applications, such as iMissile, iPieta, Laudate, or even the Auxilium Christianorum, those are just some of the awesome technological apps that we have accessible with prayers. 
But in reality, I think all of us actually do have a Bible at home that we can pick up. So you just have to write down the readings and sit there with your highlighter. Read the mass readings for the day. Highlight those words that stand out to you. Read the reading over and over again. Pray it. Maybe focus in on one or two words. And then pray that spiritual act of communion. Pray it. St. Alphonsus Liguori, pull it up online, print it out. Maybe memorize it so that you can sit before the crucifix and gaze upon the crucifix and make that spiritual communion. But I want to offer that to all of you to know we're called to sanctify the Lord's Day. And here are just some ways we can do that. I want to go ahead and take a caller here. We have Day Stephen, who's on the line here, uh, wants to share, or Steve wants to share his story about two adopted children and encouragement for other women who may choose to adopt. Steve, share with us about your story of having adopted two children. I just hope you keep driving that point home that I adopted two children. They were babies, and now one's 24 and one is 19. The best thing that ever happened to me They made my life better than I could have made their life, but it's so precious, the gift of life. For a birth mother to give that opportunity, that is a life, and it's such a precious life. I would hope that you're driving, and you're very good at what you're saying. Please choose life. Don't choose abortion. Someone else would love that baby. Amen. Thank you so much for sharing that, Steve. And this is another we forget to remember, that there are people just like Steve who would not have that moment to celebrate a birthday with their children, who wouldn't have those moments to be a father if it were not for the heroic men and women who are willing to place their adoption and say, I want a father who can care for my child in a way that I couldn't. It's so important to remember. I want to go ahead and hear from Kevin. Kevin in California, you have some tips on what to do when you're stuck at home and don't have access to the mask. Kevin, tell us what your tips are. Oh, thanks for taking my call. Yeah, like tonight, uh, what we'd usually do is just go to church and do the Stations of the Cross. And although we can't go to church, that's something we're going to do here at home with my family. Um, You know, some of the things we're doing during the day is picking up our Bible and putting our phone down. Uh, what I found is the phone can be so distracting during these times, and we have to make we have mm. to make an act of the will to actually stop all the distractions. Because right now is a great time that the Lord is He's really trying to pull us closer to Him, and it's it could be mm. disheartening that we can't go to church, but we don't lose hope. And just to echo what you said, it is a time to sanctify ourselves. Amen. Thank you so much for that. It was such I think a good inspiration for people get a family. They don't- have to tell you because I forgot that it was Friday. Is anyone else in text of the coronavirus? I feel like I'm either trying to stay away from my phone or I'm consumed by the news. Last couple days, I can tell you have been a little bit better for me in terms of finding that balance, but make sure you know what day of the week it is. Celebrate the days of the week according to what we're called to celebrate. And today's Friday. Whether it's Lent or not, we are called to remember that today is the day of our Lord's passion every single Friday. And so Stations of the Cross, you may not be able to go to your parish and go through the stations, but you can pull up a beautiful piece of artwork on an iPad or something. If you have a whole family, you can encourage your kids to look at all the details of each and every single station, that piece of artwork, and you can pray the prayers of the Stations of the Cross. Take out your Bibles for 10 minutes 
and just pray. Read the readings from today. There are so many incredible opportunities. I think, you know, someone said this at church last week when the announcement came that we would no longer have access to the Mass here in San Diego. And they said, this is going to be the spiritual awakening. So either you will take this as a time to dive deeper into your faith and to increase your prayer life and increase your own sense of responsibility at home, or you're going to take this and we're going to allow this to just be wasted time on our cell phones, playing board games. Let's be intentional with this time. Thanks for having me. I'm Timory Jaja. You can catch me on my show, Trending with Timory on the Weekends.